Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Feeling good, feeling good, Christian. It's Joe Orchard, by the way. You brought me right back to high school with that uh, that little uh, mispronunciation there. It was Joe Orchard, Joe Flower, Joe with a big O, all sorts of things, man. <laughs> Bro, man, uh, I'm sorry to bring you back to your school days, but um, that's we've, good. We've, we've we've got a lot of we've got a lot of catching up to do. With actually, bit of context, we're both comedians. I think you've been doing it longer than what I have. What's your experience? In the comedy scene, I've always, I guess, in terms of starting it, um, I was, I'm in a very competitive household when it comes to humor, and so we're always just trying to be funny and one up each other. And I seem to naturally fit with my style, the stand up ways. Oh, there we go, a little graphic. That's pretty cool, go. Joey <laughs> Orchard. Wow. Okay, very special. Um, so I guess my sense could very much do planned procedure based. Um, you know, it has to be a certain way and knowing how it's all going to flow type of comedy. And it sort of worked out like that. And so here I am doing a podcast, which is very off the cuff and um, <laughs> a bunch of other things. But I've, in terms of comedy itself, I've only done stand-up like four or five times and I write all the time and that's all sorts of different things. I had an art teacher tell me, you come up with all sorts of weird shit, Joe. Can I swear? Sorry. You can swear all you want, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. awesome. He goes like, uh, you come up with a bunch of weird shit, Joe. You should um, write this all down um, because you've, you'll, you'll lose it all. And it's actually great advice. It's actually really helped down the line. Yeah, I I want to give a shout-out to – thanks for sharing that. I want to give a shout-out to St. Kilda Sellers. I was there last night. Uh, I had my first gig. I was going to ask um, about that. How did that go? Uh, not too good, man. Um, I think what 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 went wrong is I, I noticed all the good comedians they um they work the audience, and that's something maybe yep. I'll learn with a bit of experience to work the audience because uh, I don't, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I mean I guess we've been told not to interact with the audience. It's really, kind of like, so you were told not to talk to them at St Kilda. Yeah, so I've had this thing in my head: don't talk to the audience, like don't talk to the audience. But then, why is that? Uh, it adds another element of complexity. So I don't know. That's that's. It's just like it could be another thing that could go wrong. So if you've got your one-liners, then you have to deal with Betty 
half pissed and she's like screaming at you. So you, you feel me? Like it's, it's yeah. kind of like another thing there. Yeah. It's a bit tricky like that. Um, my first time I bombed as well, but that's all part of it. And it was soul destroying. And it was just like, this is terrible. I, I can't do this again. But then you sort of realized I bumped into some, um, you do stand-up comedy online due to COVID. I didn't do any uh, stand-up online. Um, I My main thing at the moment is my podcast, and even then I'm very inconsistent with that. Uh, I can touch on that later, but thank you, Jan, for the comment. I didn't realize this was live. How many people are watching? Baby, we're going live, baby. We don't wow, about- this is... <laughs> I mean, we've we've got a total of two people on the, in the mix, and 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 if and if you're watching right now, drop a name, drop a comment, drop a, a random suggestion, like take your clothes off. I mean, we're not going to get that down. Oh, that okay, route, but, uh, yeah. If things could get messy if we if we Look, get down that way. I did talk to an OnlyFans content creator, and I did have to like tell her you have to keep your clothes on for this podcast. Unfortunately, <laughs> like you can take them off on our club on your channel later, maybe. <laughs> I definitely subscribe to that. I'd definitely be a fan of that. Uh, that was very interesting. That episode did really well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad people took it well because I was concerned that my parents are going to be like, "Joe, come on, she's like naked and stuff. That's a bit weird." And I'm like, "No, she's like a modern entrepreneur. She's really smart, driven, and like wants to work hard." Shout out, Lady Stardust. Shout out. So, are you of the mindset like you're, you're, you're pro, like? You're, you're, you're for it. You're obviously for it. And, um, yeah, I think it was like, I watched that podcast actually. Was her name Angel or Stardust? Or yeah, Lady Stardust. That's her Lady name. Lady yeah. Stardust. Yeah, she was an interesting person. Uh, she's definitely, I think she's she's on a winning streak though. She's got the system downplayed. Like she knows. Absolutely. You know, so. But that's the thing. So Joe.podcast, which is where you can find me normally. Um, it's a whole structure. I tend to interview young people trying out their avenues and professions. And so I had the OnlyFans creator. I had an AFLW player. She had some really interesting notes to say about sport culture um, and musicians, actors, and a whole bunch of other things. But the key idea is I feel like a lot of people – how old are you, Christian? I'm 30. You're 30? Yeah, I've got the secret age serum in the back. Holy right? shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. You're, that's gnarly as. Um, yeah, you're sipping on wine and your beanie. Probably harding a bad hairline behind that, hey? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll, show, you the, I'll show you the old hairline, man. <laughs> yeah, bro, it's... um. Oh, no, look, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the beanie. I don't know, I'm, try, I'm trying to like work... It's a vibe, into- I kind of like it. It's a good style. And you've matched it with your um hoodie as well. I used to work retail, so this is all I see, just like how people dress you know and stuff this, like you that. You know my secrets, you know. The, my mum's my taught me well, all right? She's she's kind of groomed me up, you know, so. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, so um, young people who feel maybe a bit disenfranchised and uncertain about how they feel and what career paths or anything like that they should take and how to express themselves. And so as well as um, I very much believe that in a society as divided as us, it's actually really important to listen to people that you either wouldn't necessarily listen to or uh, agree with intentionally because I find that you learn the most from them. And, for example, I knew nothing about AFLW and it, it felt like really cool when it started and Katie, who was the guest, taught me heaps. There's still a lot of work that they need to do, but 
Um, you know, there's, I learned heaps and I feel like the audience can also learn with me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what got you been... into comedy? Why did you want to do stand up? Good question. I think I just want to be like Joe Rogan. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't know, dude, like, uh, no, nah, I think, I think he's, he's obviously made ripples into the, into the world, right. With, you know, he's like the, the benchmark of, of what, of, of, of podcast success and comedy success. And it's a very stereotypical thing to say. I think, yeah, it, everyone is unique. But to answer your question, uh, what got me into comedy, I think I am attracted to the challenge. I'm attracted to pushing the boundaries and, and just seeing what I'm made of effectively. And, yeah, comedy will definitely test you. It will definitely test your limits. I'm, sure. I'm actually like a really anxious person. Okay. Um, you don't come across that way though. I know I get that a lot. Um, I was my coworkers who I was drinking with on Friday were telling me that you come across really cool, calm, and collected, which is very, very flattering, given how I actually feel on the inside. And um, I know your podcast has like a component of mental health, motivation, and stuff like that to it, but it is just pushing yourself outside of the boundary. And it was so terrible bombing in comedy, but it's a weird thing how it can work out because it was at the resistance where you saw me and I've done a very similar routine to that, but like three months earlier. And um, I have a threesome joke at the end. And when I said the threesome joke earlier in the year, it killed it. Like a whole room erupted and it was crazy and it was the best feeling, but as you might remember, when I said it, it wasn't the funniest then. And I think I screwed up the delivery a little bit. I've got the video, so I need to analyze it a little bit more. That's what you should do. You should film yourself and just be really critical. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've, I've got the footage um, of last night's set. And um, I got a few laughs. I think uh, I got a few laughs, but I got to... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this dude. I've, I've, dude, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to this sort of shit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at, oh, what's his name? Oh, Jerry Corley. Jerry Corley. This dude is like the supercomputer of comedians. He's like, um, he's just like, a. Um, you can ask him any question and he'll break down the mechanics of how stru- uh, sentences are structured and it's just crazy. Meta language. Yeah, dude, just on I another level, man. Just on another level. Um, like there was a talking- subject in high school called English language that I did, and so it was like a substitute to normal English where in English, you know, you'd read Frankenstein, then analyse it, but in this you would look at um, not Sam Smith. Uh, who was that cricketer with the ball tampering um, issue? Uh, oh, shit, that's a good if uh, someone in the comments can help me there, that'd be really helpful. Um, Someone should know it. What's his name? We'll find him. Yeah. Um, so it was his apology and it was talking about, and the unit was like formalities. And so I had to do an oral presentation on what he said. And I looked at the transcript and everything. Um, quite intense and quite a different way of thinking. We had a whole week talking about swear words, which is very fun, very cathartic, uh, very interesting. But the thing is about comedy as well. Um, you've just got to keep doing it and you're just going to keep working on it. You don't get muscles by going to the gym once. Okay. You just got to keep exercising. 
you know, keep keep grinding, keep working hard. And that's the same with comedy. And I just like to make my friends laugh around me by fucking with other people sometimes. I, that sounds like really aggressive, but it's just, it's simple things. My favorite one, which you can't really do with COVID anymore, is at a restaurant when you see people like leaving, you just get up and say goodbye to them and say like, good job on the project. Nice to see you. Oh, you don't come up very often, Margaret, you know, good, good, nice to see you and stuff like that. And half the time they're either really confused and the other half they're like, oh, yeah, see you, mate. Good job. Um, that's good fun. But I got fucked with really hard last night and I wasn't hurt. I wasn't physically damaged or anything like that. And the key thing to remember is that this was improvised. Okay. So I was out drinking with mates again. There's a, it's, it's a problem. Um, <laughs> and I was heading home and I stopped by uh, Hawthorne Maccas on Glenfair Road. That's my local one. And so I was just getting a quick feed before, you know, going to bed and stuff like that. And if anyone's curious, my order was the Grand Big Mac. It's like a really big one but it comes with a glass. Hold on. Here it is. It's a pretty wide glass. Um, you know, was, you could have two minute noodles in it probably. Nah, dude, you gotta, you gotta cut them You gotta cut, cut the McDonald's bro. I had, um, a guy, Brian Sanders. Uh, now this is, this, this conversation's quickly diverted to diet and, and, uh, and the likes of that. So, I mean, yeah, Look, man, I didn't like, go uh, out of my way to <laughs> eat Maccas. Don't worry. That's totally fine. Um, and uh, that was just me drunk wanting to get a feed to, you know, soak up all that. Uh, give me the salt. Give me yeah, the give salt. Me the salt. Exactly. Exactly. The salt. Look, it was that or an HSP. And uh, you, you chose the best of, 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 yeah, of the both. Yeah, I think. Anyway, that's not the main part of the story. And so as I'm sitting there eating, these two guys come up and one of them was quite charismatic and he looked like a surfer dude. He had that long, curly, blonde hair sort of vibe, um, you know, uh, good looking, I'd also say as well. And he's just talking to me about my meal and stuff like that. I'm like, good. I say, what have you guys been up to? And he goes, we have been going to different Maccas all night and all day. We started at 11 a.m. in Frankston. And we've gone to 13 McDonald's and afterwards we're heading to Q East. And I was like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, they were like very insistent on it. And I was at a level of drunkness where it seemed like bullshit, but I was also at a level of drunkness where I couldn't confirm it and I couldn't like follow along with everything that they were doing. And so I sort of just kept asking questions and... <laughs> They uh, claim to have done KFC, right? Um, a run of KFC, and they're like, "What's was? I guess where the best KFC is?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't know. I don't really go to KFC much either." And they're like, "Brooklyn, off the side of the Westgate Bridge, Brooklyn KFC is the best. You walk in, the smell, the vibe, the crunch on the outside of the chicken, and the soft gooey inside." I was like, "Soft gooey inside." I don't think he said that, but. Um, you know, they were really vibing with the KFC. And so that seemed, they got into a lot of detail about that. So I thought that was legit. 
and then they're talking about their favorite Maccas, and their favorite one was Ballman Maccas, which actually makes sense. That is a pretty good McDonald's. Um, <laughs> Jesus, man. And, say, um, but it just kept on going layers and layers. They wanted my opinion on the Grand Big Mac because no one had ordered one before, and they recorded me talking about it and stuff like that. Yeah. And they had to like... I was like, can think, I join you? Do you think do you think the meat inside the inside the bun is is actually real? Like, do you think uh like they actually source it from cows, or do you think it's like the leftover parts of what? the horse or something? Or- yeah. <laughs> uh, what I heard from my dad was that it is from a cow, but basically, you know, cow is you know, killed and they cut all the good bits off, and then there's uh, certain parts that are taken off for ground meat um, and then afterwards when there's basically just like literally scraping off the bone, McDonald's takes all of that and then forms patties based on that. But then even then it's frozen and then sent off. So, look, it's a bad system and it's like it's shit food and I just needed that salt, as you said, you know, um, vibing like that. And Interesting. Uh, um, Another, if there's anyone who's interested in the structure of McDonald's, this was mainly like, there's a documentary called McLibel. And so libel is the old school term for defamation, which um, I did an elective on this. And so it was actually very interesting. I know quite a bit. Um, uh, Basically, McDonald's sued a small environmentalist group in uh, London and it was a trial that went on for like a year and a half where defamation cases don't often go on. Afterwards, it set a lot of precedents for um, how fast food and uh, food organizations should work. One big thing that was um, the case was um, you can't, a corporation can't sue for defamation. It has to be an individual now. So that's why you'll never see. You know, you can talk shit about McDonald's on this podcast, but they won't sue us because they they can't. There's more than 10 people in that organization. So, Um, but anyway, the point was that the documentary breaks down every single structural component of McDonald's and how it's bad. They treat the workers like they're modular, like they're puzzle pieces that can just be rearranged. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but like Ronald McDonald as a clown, um, at kids' parties and stuff like that and how the people who would play these clowns felt like they were indoctrinating young kids into this unhealthy lifestyle. And it just gets, like, really elaborate and crap and you feel, like, terrible about McDonald's and, like, damn, I've eaten here X amount of time. Yeah, man, I think I think ultimately you want to be eating real food. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I mean... Yeah, okay, you're drunk. Yeah, that's fine. Like, we all have those drunk hang-ups and all those things. But, I mean, I think if you're resorting to takeaway food on a regular and daily basis, you're you're effectively shoveling tox, toxins and – well, I wouldn't say toxins, but I, I, it's, you're, you're, you're – Chemicals. You're, you're shoveling, um, like – it's not real food is what I'm trying to say. It's not, exactly, it's, it's, yeah. It's not um, – and you're Look, you're like totally shit. right, and you're, I don't, I don't feel, support it at all. And, 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 and you're going to feel like shit. I mean, like, the question is – do you want to feel like shit or do you want to feel good? I mean, yeah, it fucks I would with rather, it fucks with you mentally, dude. Like, uh, I've been kind of mucking around with intermittent fasting 
And mm-hmm. intermittent fasting is one of those things where your mind is free and, and, and you don't have to really worry about digestion. Yeah, of course, you want to eat food. The taste and pleasure of food is, is beautiful, is palatable. But the body doesn't need to be eating all the time. People forget that. People forget that the, the, the body can just kind of digest, live off the fats, live off the fat. I'll be, uh, it takes a while to become metabolically flexible. But is this like you, keto as well or? Uh, yeah, but yeah. So uh, keto in cop is uh, like fat based, but that's a very restrictive diet. My new boss uh, has been on a keto diet for the last three and a half years, and he has lost eighty kilos. Eight zero, not one eight. Eight zero. What's your boss's name? Shout out to your boss. Oh, his name's Chris. Shout out to Chris. Yep. I don't want to. I don't want to reveal too much about okay, that job. Yes, we we, we want to keep it a bit, a bit more personal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A little bit private. All right. Gonna pay the uh, bill somehow. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've talked about stand up and um, McDonald's. What else have we? What else can we talk about? Um, how how have you? How did you get into comedy? I think yeah. How did you first get into comedy? That's yeah. Like I said, it was a very um, competitive household that I uh, did, and I'm. I find that I think I'm the funny one in my friend group. I often just have like the quips and stuff like that and things to say at times. And it just seemed to naturally fit. I always did drama classes in high school and stuff like that. I, I love the attention. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a really interesting juxtaposition and existence. Um, but yeah, I, I would do comedy. I did it once bombed but I just got support to do it again. And when I did it again and I did well, I would say 90% of what I said landed. But I've, I've cut a joke, for example. I, I would talk about my uh, economics teacher who was definitely depressed. Like it's it seems like an okay premise, but it just never landed or got anywhere or anything like that. But for me as well, like when it comes to coming up with things, it comes naturally. I like you hear about comedians who will sit down for like two hours and write, but it's like, if I put myself into that creative zone, I just feel like all the ideas leave my head. Mm. And so it's such like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm sure many people have talked about this issue, but I saw a video once of, um, I think his name's Jack Rober Vsauce three talking about how he needed to do a creative exercise and he just drove three and a half hours out of town and to like some nearby cabin area and just hung out there and chilled like a retreat. But for example, I've got, I've got a nice desk. You can't see it behind the camera and whatnot and a pretty cool setup here. Um, It's lovely. I do compliment your setup. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're still working on it. In fact, I'll touch on this quickly as well. Um, I'd love to do, to turn this spot into a mini pod studio. So you can't really see it with the setup that you've got, but I've got a couch over here. It's got a few things on it. I need to clean up this. Let's do a full screen. Can I chuck you? Oh, perfect. Okay. So on. There you go. What's the tour? Yeah. Give us the tour. This side, we've got the couch. Um, That's where, that's where I could do the, um, uh, podcast and have people in behind me. We can do cameras and lights and things like that. And someone can sit right here and engineer the podcast. Um, that would be 
the ideal situation, but that's a production that costs a bit more money and is a bit more elaborate. On the other side, we've just got like the TV and the cabinets and stuff like that. That's a little companion uh, stuffed animal there that looks like a dick. Um, <laughs> good thing the uh, arm is covering it. Um, it does need to be cleaned out. This, uh, um, I don't know how to describe it, uh, shelving thing is being taken out. We cleared that out not too long ago. Um, but yeah, this is just, I find it a really cool creative space. Um, I can put in a, another table in the middle. I've got this Lego set I want to build on stream for some reason. And so I, I wanted, I feel like I want to do that, but I got to set up my Twitch. Um, and what else did I wanted to add? I've got a few dream guests as well. There was one podcast where I, there's a friend who owns a cafe and we wanted to do the podcast at the cafe and film a bit there and that sort of stuff. But COVID kind of prevented that. And yeah, we just need to find a time to do that. Thanks for that mini tour of the no worries. Um, of the future Joe.com uh, studio. Uh, I look forward to the progression and the evolution. Um, Just got to keep grinding, man. Keep grinding. Yep. Same keep for me moving. as well. I've got to keep grinding as well. Uh, so do you just do a podcast and now well, stand up first time? I'm guessing you're going to do that again. Do you just do the podcast or? I started the podcast in February of this year and mm-hmm. just as an outlet uh, to speak with people, speak with interesting people, people that I want to learn from, and yeah, just to broaden my exposure to different schools of thought. Um, it's it's actually such a learning tool. I've never, I haven't real. I'm into episode. This is my not to toot my own horn. I mean, I'm still a baby, but um, I'm up to episode sixty-five, and this is. Well, this is in that in that region. So I've done like twelve or thirteen. So you've done five times the amount of pods I have. <laughs> yes, but um, I've, what I've learned in, in life is that there's always someone ahead of you, no matter how great or how grand you think you are. There's always one person that's a little bit better than you. In but I don't I don't mean to say that in a competitive nature. I mean to say that in a in a very humble way, in a very uh, respectful way, because this is the only way to get better. You have to acknowledge that. Hey man, maybe your shit isn't the best. Maybe you know you can still work on on stuff. Um, Absolutely. Look, I I've struggled to keep with a weekly schedule with my podcast, and that's just that's for a variety of reasons. But yeah. that kind of beats me down. And someone else is doing a podcast weekly and stuff like that. I haven't earned a single cent from my podcast either. So. It's, you know, it's all negative. And look, it's a four-figure sum on how much I've spent on <laughs> setting up my podcast and stuff like that. So. It's a passion though. It is a passion and it's so much fun. Like you said though, I learn heaps. With what you say though about competition and humble and stuff like that, I agree and disagree at the same time. And the component I disagree on is I think a little bit of competition is required and necessary because then you know who to overcome and how to move forward so you can see what this person's doing and what makes their show interesting and well and you can either apply 
similar types of things that are or competitive components or you could even i don't know how to say it but like do a similar thing but kind of different a slightly different approach for example i could introduce segments i could introduce recurring questions um to my pod i think that would be pretty interesting um, I have a few, I have a lot of big aspirations for my pod. I'd love to do it live and have an audience uh, listen there on a stage and um, yeah. people chirping in every now and then, kind of like this, but, you know, nothing wrong with streaming. I've done quite a few, but, um, go wrong. yeah, and if you're still there, guys, please feel free to ask any questions. I'd, I'd love to uh, react to <laughs> what you guys have to offer. It's so cool. I didn't realize this was going to be live. I should have done my hair better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just vibing. I keep creating. Um, just got to keep keep it all moving. But my full-time job's kind of slowed a few things down. I need to adjust to things. Um, and so I've got to, when I start working on this job, go really hard on that and make sure I'm in a comfortable situation not too long ago, I picked up boxing lessons because um, I can afford them now. I love boxing. So much fun. You're very into your uh, working out. What do you do at the moment? What do I I do? Now that the gyms are closed, well, my gym's closed, I'm just doing home workouts and playing tennis. Uh, so oh, yeah. I've got, yeah, so I've got like a pull-up bar, um, some gymnastic rings. And, Squat rack. Yeah. Uh, Maybe next. Not, not yet. Not yet. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm always keeping active. Uh, I feel like my vessel, my body, the skin that I'm in right now has a lot of energy to produce. So I need to burn that energy in the form of running, uh, swimming, whatever, biking. Or, or I love it. I just love being in my body. And being I can't cool. run for shit. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I can swim all right. And I did rowing when I was like 15. And I can bike fine, but I can't run. And it's weird because everyone else in my family can run. My mum did a half marathon. Half marathon. Those Fs are getting and THs are getting confusing. Whoopsies. You know, back to high school again. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I just can't do it. There's just something in me that can't do it. But here's my thing. Tell me if you've, like, experienced this. I find that doing the workout isn't the greatest necessarily, but the feeling afterwards and the chemical rush is what makes it all worth it afterwards. And I just because I feel so much better in the day or the next day and food tastes a bit better, I feel a bit more motivated, that makes it all worth it. I am the typical couch potato and I will be in bed like, oh, I don't want to do this. Fine. <laughs> and... um. Once I'm finally doing it, I'm like, oh, this is actually easier than I thought. You know, I've still pushed myself. Sorry, I don't want it to sound like I do easy workouts and I'm just going half ass. I'm going all the way. Um, but it's mainly a mental block. And then once I do it, I feel great. And I feel like as well, though, now that I'm paying for a membership at a gym and doing lessons, there's that financial commitment as well. So if I don't do it, I'm wasting my money. So... Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Um, 
Yeah, what I got mean, you into fasting? I find fasting, like, I'd struggle. I'm such a glutton. Yeah, what got me into fasting? My dad, he got me into fasting. He used to fast uh, as a as a adolescent male. and Very early to the trend. Very early to the trend, yes. And, it, you know, like father, like son, you know, so it's kind of that genetics that kind of, uh, uh, kind of passed down, I guess. I don't know. And um, I've grown attached to it because a, it just makes me feel fucking awesome, and b, uh, I'm not spending as much money on breakfast and all that shit. So I mean, don't get me wrong, I still have chocolate and I still eat like a pig when it comes to um, when I can eat on a cheat day. Oh, every day is cheat day for me, man. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, Same. mom, like, like, mom's cooking like uh, these brownies or this cake, man. I'm eating. Like the whole, like I mean, yeah, the whole tray, the whole tray. Like, um, so this is the beauty of intermittent fasting. I mean, you're not, I don't, don't, don't quote me on calorie and macros and all that shit. But um, like intermittent fasting, if you stick in a strict window, you can effectively eat as what you want to a certain degree, um, and your body still feels great to a, to a more or less. So yeah. So do you set like a time frame? That's when you can eat and. I'm not super strict. I'm more intuitive. So I'll give you an example. Today yep. I wake up, uh, I did a podcast in the morning um, with Austin. Shout out to Austin in um, in the States. Anyway, I hadn't eaten until 11 a.m. That was my first meal. I just had some eggs, scrambled eggs and spinach. And I feel full because I'm not consuming the carbohydrates. I'm not um, eating the, the nice foods, the, the palatable foods. So... Just keeps me sustained and going for longer, I guess. Just a better resource of energy. That's that's my understanding of it anyway. So Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting. I've always tried different diets, but I've struggled to keep them. I cut carbs for like a week and I lost two and a half kilos on the first week, which was fucking insane. I don't know how I pulled that off. But I'm guessing that's water weight. But um I felt great. But you know, couldn't, I, I don't know, I couldn't keep it up for whatever reason. It's hard to keep it, yeah. I, I, I haven't cut carbs out. Carbs are really hard to cut out because you want that cake and you, you want that brownie, you want that ice cream every now you and then. Bread, you want rice, you know? You want rice, exactly, man. Like, it's, it's very difficult to cut carbs completely out. I think you can minimize it, but to cut it all out is, is a tough ask. Absolutely. I reckon I could uh, not do carbs at lunch. And, you know, do something like that and just have, I don't know, something at dinner and just let that, you know, settle in my body for like overnight. But I don't know how necessarily it all works. I've got a grasp on how the science all actually works. I remember hearing at one point, it's like a three-legged stool. You've got your exercise, your eating, and then your sleep. But it turns out eating's like 80% of it. And like, I don't know. <laughs> Like my manager at my old job told me you should try having a shot of apple cider vinegar in the morning to kickstart your metabolism. And I looked into this and it's apparently inconclusive about how good that actually is. So there's evidence, oh, pardon me, that for some people it works well, but for other people not quite. And so um, I don't know. I guess I gonna be fucked and <laughs> have you uh, i'm gonna kind of go into the deep end right now have go you, ahead 
have you taken any psychedelics or any um, uh, non uh, uncommon substances? Um, yes. Uh, well, not psychedelics, but uncommon substances. <laughs> okay. Is this something that we can reveal on the podcast or is it something for a lot, another time? Maybe another time. All right. Um, no psychedelics though, but I have heard long discussions on Joe Rogan and stuff like that about <laughs> it. It's like the, that's like the, uh, what's that word? Uh, it's like the um, example setter. It's like Joe, Joe Rogan. Oh, I heard that thing on. Yep. Yeah. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. That's Pioneer. Trendsetter. Yeah, we go. Pioneer. Yes, Pioneer. Yeah. Um, what about I, you? I've had one trip uh, on mushrooms. Okay. And it was... Um, it was a good experience. It was, um, I was by myself. It's, you, you kind of, it's like you kind of start thinking about life and, and you just see things from different angles, different perceptions that you wouldn't generally see when you're sober. Good for creative, great, great for creative uh, work. Great for creative Yeah, I've work. heard that because um, oh, great. apparently um, Stephen King wrote um, Carrie whilst like, really zoned out on cocaine or something like I that. that. Yeah, I believe that. Um, and that's like the scariest fucking book ever. <laughs> I think yeah, it's man. Carrie or it could be a different one, but I find Carrie terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a terrifying thing. What, what's what's your favorite? Are you into horror movies or um, um, any sort of that genre? I'll show you something I've been playing with a little bit. Hold on. Sure. Do you know what this is? VR? Yep, it's an Oculus Quest 2. And so VR is really cool. And one thing VR is great for is horror. And over the last oh, no. five or so years, no. No, you're not liking it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, I'm saying no because that, that, that shit scares the shit out of me, man. Like, but I remember in 2014 when VR sets, at least in when I first started hearing about them, I was at PAX. Do you know PAX? Uh, it's the... Uh, it's like the general meeting Penny spot. Arcade Expo. That's it, yes. Um, they have a lot of games and stuff like that there, and they had a demonstration for Oculus Rifts, and so I tried one and played Alien Isolation. Alien meaning xenomorphs and stuff like that. So you're going around with your flamethrower, and then the fucking xenomorph jumps on you and little tongue out with little mouth on it. Terrifying, but I loved it. <laughs> and all my other friends were like, Joe, why did you do that? That was so stupid. But... In my mind, I'm like, that was so awesome. And I vibe with it really hard. Um, what I'm doing now, though, is as my spare time activity on the VR is it's a game called The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. And what's really cool about it is you basically explore New Orleans and um, you can, you know, do missions with different people for resources but what's kind of cool about it is every single human character in it, you can kill at any moment. Whoa. So you know how, do you play much video games or? Uh, not really, to be honest with you. But I used to, play, right. a lot of, I used to play a lot of PlayStation, so I can kind of relate. I, what did you play on PlayStation? Because I'll see if I can compare it. Uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot, FIFA. Uh, Robocop. Uh, okay, Crash Bandicoot uh, works. So you know how like Crash Bandicoot's very linear in its pathing, if that makes any sense. Like you can see where you need to go, like far in the distance, and you know that you need to follow a path and there's a few deviants and enemies along the way and 
stuff like that. You see what I mean? Yes. So very non-linear and stuff like that. And let's say you've got someone who's following you, like that mask in Crash Bandicoot. I forget its name. Ooga booga. Ooga booga. Yeah. Ooga booga. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's say you're just doing a mission in Crash Bandicoot and you feel like killing Ooga booga. You can in The Walking Dead, Sands and Sinners. And so, but the cool thing about it is, so I did one where a guy was saying, if you come with me here, um, there's a bunch of supplies and ended up him and I split off in different directions and I had to flood a room full of zombies. But he actually revealed to me that he didn't know where the weapons are. It was just a rumor. So what I could do is I could either... Um, risk my chances and go to the room where there might be a bunch of weapons and or with a bunch of zombies potentially there or I can flub this guy so he doesn't betray me later and so I killed the dude because he fucked with me you don't fuck with me like that I die, die you bastard yeah, yeah no literally it's yeah. like how did you kill him though how did you kill him so you had to flood a room to kill a bunch of zombies and you could choose which room to flood, either the room he was in or the, the armory where potentially all the weapons were. And and there was maybe a bunch of zombies there too, but there actually wasn't. So I, I made the right decision and now I've got enough weapons for the next while. So just just to kind of recap, so you're making all these, these uh, like you've got the goggles on. Just walk me through how, how, how you're doing this. So like you've got the goggles on and you're moving your arms and you're killing this dude, this virtual character. Yeah, so it's a bit tricky with your head to get used to, but for example, I play in here, so I don't have... Obviously, this isn't the size of New Orleans, this room, but it's the game's not the full size either. Anyway, but you have to like press the joystick forward to walk. And so what will happen is you'll see yourself moving forward, but you know in your body that you're standing still. And so there's a really weird mental disconnect and you end up quite nauseous and dizzy. But after playing it a bit, you get a little bit used to it. Okay, because I was always that. That's that's kind of what. Sorry to cut you off there, but that's that, fine. That's, that, that, that's what uh, it's like apprehended me to get into VR. That nauseous feeling. Is yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things where you can just stand still and play oh, like okay. that. Do you know Beat Saber? Have you heard of that? Okay, you'll watch videos and you'll just want to do it straight away. In fact, maybe when. How do I spell it? How do I spell it? So beat, as in like music beat, like. And then Saber, as in lightsaber. All right, shout out to it's, Beat Saber. It's a rhythm game where you basically have two lightsabers and you'll see these blocks fly towards you and you just cut them in the direction that they're wanting to go and it's two music. It rocks. It is so much fun. Quite the cardio exercise as well. You'll uh, pick up quite a nice sweat uh, doing that. Um, but... I've just ordered the game now. Um, <laughs> it's, coming, it's coming in the mail tomorrow. So, are you serious? Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, but you've sold. You've definitely sold me. You've definitely sold me on the VR. It's a lot um, of fun. Look, it's look. You you might find after the first couple of tries you're a bit nauseous, um, but there's heaps of different options, and people trying it. It had like a boom last year during lockdown because people getting stimulus checks or JobKeeper. And so they just bought VR headsets. And so that's kind of what I did. I was getting JobKeeper and that was so good, man. <laughs> yeah. 
I wonder if they like design a game for VR that's just like like a GTA style game where you can just walk out and just like steal cars and and is that something that's real or look it's it it would be possible it would take a lot of years to develop and it's yes theoretically it is possible because Walking Dead Sense and Sinners is a free world is an open world type of game. You'll walk around and then suddenly you'll bump into different people and then there's different factions and groups and whatnot. So that free world element already exists in terms of walking around then getting into a car and then driving off to the airport and then hijacking a plane. I think what makes GTA like flying a plane easy is the fact that you're seeing it in third person and you're far away and you can see your surroundings a bit more. Because if you do it first person, flying a plane first person is quite hard. <laughs> in real life and in a video game. Yeah, it's like that meme. You just reminded me of that meme. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you follow uh, UFC? Um, Joe bit. Rogan. Uh, oh, yeah, on the ground interviewing he, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a picture of a meme where Joe Rogan's uh, interviewing the World Trade Center. Yeah. And the, and the plane's just hitting it. And I'm like, holy fuck, that is untrue. That is Dude, they, they've, they've nailed it on that. Like, Dark sense so... of humor people have. Oh, dude. Then again, yeah. these comedians that Joe has on, a lot of them are pretty fucking wild, so. Yeah. Do you, how long have you followed Joe Rogan? Uh, since, I don't know, at least five or six years. Like, I just kind of occasionally watch an episode Fair here enough, there. yeah. Yeah. So, just... Sober October, you're familiar with that? Yes. So... I can't believe this exists and this just happened. But, like, there was one time where Ari Shafir uh, spiked Burt Kreischer with Molly. Yeah, that's right. And it was, it's totally fucked up. <laughs> it was against his consent. He didn't even consent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And his wife and kids were there, Bert. And it was, yeah. like, fucking crazy. And that's something you wouldn't want to do, like... I don't know. Ari's made a few questionable choices, though. He like he made a pretty negative comment towards Kobe Bryant when um that all happened. How was your lockdown? Actually, we've touched on it briefly. Let's just move away from this dark combo that I brought up. Combo. <laughs> How was it's, your lockdown? Uh, uh, right. Yeah, my lockdown was great. Um, to to kind of put an an enlightening spin on that question, I yeah, I say my my lockdown was great. I Got into, what did I do? Uh, started this podcast. Started making episodes on this podcast. Um, you can find me on Spotify and YouTube as well, just to kind of put, put, put that disclaimer And what's the channel there. called? Sorry, one more time. The Christian Buddy Show. A. Spelt with a K, not a C-H. And, yeah, I've just been working on the podcast, trying to get better at certain things. And, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Get there. Yeah. We didn't have a plan today, which is kind of fun because we've almost done 50 minutes and I feel like we've done pretty well. Yeah, we're, 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 we're tugging along at the moment. We're zooming. Um, Do we have to be strictly done in an hour? Oh, I mean, we can uh, we can call it right here. I mean, I think... Um, I think I have one more point I wanted to bring up. I've wanted to talk about this thing on a podcast for a while, but I haven't had the time for it. Um, I mentioned it in our outline as well about Australian YouTubers... Um, 
And it's so tough in Australia to be successful online. And you do have your successful ones like Racka Racka is the main one. Uh, Superwog does pretty well. Um, uh, Lewis Spears and Luke Kidgel are doing all right. There's a few others that's uh, evading my mind. But I think one of the big problems is as well, there's a couple of statistical issues as well. Australia's got 25, 26 million. America's got 370 million. So a niche in Australia that is the same as America will have a way smaller proportion. So we could have a really interesting, unique podcast idea and make it that's very Australia specific, but it only reaches out to about uh, 2,000 people. But if we apply that same metric into the USA, that applies to 20,000 people. Suddenly we've got a good following and that sort of thing there. So there's a lot of number things. And as well, a lot of Australia's media is cringy as fuck. I don't know how to describe it. Do you find this? Uh, no, explain. What do you mean, sorry, by that? So it's this idea, this is going back to uni for me, uh, cultural cringe where people are incorporating um, where they're from and who they are so much into the media that they make, which is totally fine. But Australia really wants to make Australian media Australian and it ends up being sort of awkward in that regard. Now, do you know Ninja Warrior, that franchise? So there's American Ninja Warrior Australia and all sorts of stuff like that. American Ninja Warrior is head and shoulders so much better than Australian. And one of the things with it is um, uh, it's just more fast-paced. Contestants are going, are going, are going, and they're just, you know, they're just doing it. And that's what the show's about, people doing this parkour ninja course that's really difficult. However, in Australia, you get really long backstories and you get really into the contestants. And then when they hop on the Ninja Warrior course and they fall over on the second fucking obstacle after 30 seconds, it's like, what was all of this effort for? It's like really long and arduous and just such a strange setup. And I think you'll find that as well with a lot of um, YouTubers. There's a big push in Australian culture to still be Australian. And that doesn't actually reach an international audience, unfortunately. Um, we have to find a way, I believe, to generalize the media that we make and produce content that's good. And I think a, an example that I'd like to mention is shout out to Liam Dowling, who's a uh, Australian YouTuber my age. It's great. He's got like 1.3 million followers on TikTok and like 100,000 on Damn. YouTube or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like you can monetize yourself these days online. It's just... That was that, that was the original goal of this this whole YouTube this whole YouTube channel to kind of get monetized and yeah quit the rat race I guess but it's proven more difficult than than what I what it set out to be because yeah you're right uh the the uh, the uh, the uh, demographics um if you compare America and Australia like yeah obviously America's got that larger uh sample size but again uh, yeah so. I think as I think well with possible, what I'll say about though. Liam Dowling as well quickly is he has a show. He had a show which was Australian on Exchange in America, which is cool because he has like an American accent and sort of makes fun of American culture in a kind of Australian sort of way. And so that invites both Australian and American audiences. 
and I think more recently he's done American on exchange in Australia. And so he's sort of laughing at Australian culture like that. And so he's actually quite smart and with how he's done that all. I'd love to have him on my podcast, but he hasn't read my DM. Whoopsies. (laughs) But look, as well, the other thing is if you wanted to become an influencer in Australia, like not that I necessarily want to, but there's definitely a few people that do, that sort of LA YouTuber party lifestyle does not exist in Australia. And the tall poppy syndrome here as well mixed in with having a lot of pride. Like how awesome is it that yeah, Chris man, Hemsworth is sure, Australian? Because uh, let me just intercept you there, man, because at the end of the day, you have to be a positive beacon for the human race. So this may sound uh, ridiculous, ludicrous, if you will, but the message is you are the positive beacon for life. You are an intense being of almighty energy that must transfer the negatives of society and transfer them into positives. Only through peace and love and through discipline is the output to the major plan of uplifting the vibration of society. This may sound airy-fairy, and it is slightly airy-fairy, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to being a good person, following morals, following ethics, following discipline. Discipline equals freedom. And this is the ultimate lesson in life. Uh, Kind of going back to, you know, mental anxiety, this depression, this thing of the mind. The mind will eat you if you allow it to. But if you stay rigid, you stay disciplined, you stay strong in the mind, meditation, intermittent fasting, all these things, they attribute to building this strength of the mind that you can help society, you can help the community. You just want to be positive. You just want to be a positive individual. That's all. You just want to spread love. Spread love and light. People will interpret you incorrectly, and that's fine because I, I'm at a stage now of my development where I've strengthened the mind through my challenges that I've put myself through, and I will continue to strengthen the mind, con- continue to strengthen the soul so that my message is broadcasted. And I'm bringing it back to competition. I'm a very competitive individual. Don't bring the beast out. Like, I love that shit, man. Like, and bring I, it out. I, Come I, on, I, fight. I Let's play, do this. I play, I play, That's I play, good content. I play, you know, like... Uh, you know, I, but I think, man, you gotta have a, you gotta, you gotta take it easy. You gotta, we, we gotta chill. We gotta be a family. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta respect the process as well. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm saying, man. I don't know where that tangent went, but um, just yeah. wrapping it up for me. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. There's nothing I think the personal. final note I would say though, as well. Sorry, I know we're sort of cutting it for time, and I, I get it, but um, I want to help find a way to make Australian YouTubers Australian and appear to an international audience because there is such a huge disconnect there and there is so much potentials. Like the guys who fucked with me last night, the fact that they went that elaborate and that concise for just improvising, they're going to be, if they had a camera with them and they did shit like that with people, they'd go fucking viral like you wouldn't believe. So I just want to... You know, it's a struggle and, you know, you you and I fall into that category. Um, we're still appealing to smallish audiences. I don't know how big your audience is, um, but, Maybe. yeah. <laughs> thank, look, you I think, bring, thank you for bringing me down back to earth now. No, but look, we, it means we've just got, you know, more battles and we're just going to keep fighting and we're going to keep going. And so, you know, all the things that you said. 
Yeah, man, endurance, bro. It's a, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. But um, we'll wrap it up there, dude. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and um, I'm sure we'll, we'll our, 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 our paths will cross again. So, Absolutely. Uh, sending peace, sending strength to you, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries. And if you need and- anything, feel free to reach out. You know, I'm just I'm just a message away from anything that you need. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you.